Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome listeners to the Security Token Show, coming to you from sunny Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Herwig Konings. We've got the latest industry news, information about the newest STOs, followed by our secondary market update report, all topped off with our main topic today, which is explaining how a right of first refusal could work using security token technology. Hello, welcome, especially to those of you tuning into the show for the first time. I hope you enjoy this one. If you're a first-time listener, you should also know we can't start the show off, of course, without doing Company of the Week Awards. That's where Kyle and I award two companies making the biggest moves in the space last week. So, who do you have for this week in episode 65, Kyle? Well, I'm glad you asked, Herwig. My Company of the Week this week is a firm that has been in the industry now for a few years and has consistently been looking to promote the security token industry in any way they can. I'm talking about Draper Gorn Holm, who are responsible for the biggest blockchain and security token events, including LA Blockchain Summit and the Security Token Summit. We've covered these events in the past and I have an update on their most recent event later in the show, but this week, Draper Gorn Holm gets my company of the week nod for a very different reason. According to their newest announcement, Draper Gorenholm has announced the closure of a $25 million blockchain investment fund. The firm noted that while they're based in LA and California, the fund will be focusing on Europe as well with a new office opening in Vienna, Austria this December. So $25 million of fresh capital is a big deal and we know that their current portfolio companies include some security token businesses like Vertala or Onera. So we have to hope that some of the capital will be injected into some of the great infrastructure companies in the industry. On top of that, the fund is already deploying capital with consecutive announcements this week confirming the fund's participation in Israeli digital securities exchange Symmetria. Not much is known about the exchange, but it's an amazing sign for the industry and yet another great reason to recognize the work that Draper Gornholm is doing for the digital securities and security token market. So bravo to all involved, including Alon Gorin and Joseph Holm, who both Herwig and I know very well through leading panels and attending events they've hosted in the past, and we can't wait to see what they do in the future. This one was expected at some point, Kyle, and absolutely a great time to be closing on a $25 million fund in the space. I don't know if there's actually any bigger ones at this point specifically dedicated to security tokens. Um, but furthermore, as you pointed out, Onero, Vertalo, those are original companies. I believe they started with actually a $3 million seed investment from uh, Draper, their Tim Drapen, the famous billionaire venture capitalist. And it seems that they've been so successful that they're able to raise a bigger fund, I'm sure an even bigger one after that. So congratulations, Draper Gornholm, for the Company of the War nomination. And of course, Symmetra, also good news there, another digital securities exchange, Israeli-based. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to have to get you more information on them when we can. How about you, Herwig? Who's, who's got your award this week? Well, Kyle, my company of the week has to go to Sports D3 this episode because they secured their license to operate a virtual assets uh, license in Estonia, which means that they can also support security tokens through that very license, if you didn't know. So per their press release, 
Sports D3 is described as providing professional sports teams with an innovative alternative to raising funds by facilitating crowd formation of capital on its DLT powered platform where clubs are able to digitize, securitize, and sell their assets to fan investors in the form of security token offerings. So that's awesome, obviously. Off the heels last week, by the way, that Estonian LLCs can now be tokenized. This issuance platform is now very well positioned to launch their model for sports teams across Europe end-to-end -end because they'll also have that secondary trading capability. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see which teams they end up bringing on eventually. I mean, the platform does already claim to have 15,000 users pre-registered from 50 different countries and already strategic collaborations in place with FC Shakhtar and other European clubs. So there's a little uh, sign of some of the uh, potential deals we're going to see coming. And the tokenization of sports is a thing, people. I wrote a great article on it, I think, on the security token medium channel. Uh, if you want to learn more about the different ways it can happen on, you know, you can also listen to episode 12 of the show uh, last year where we talked about tokenized sports contracts. So clearly uh, not the first time we, this is coming up, but still very, very cool. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I love the idea of tokenizing sports assets, we, whether it's through these contracts we've talked about in the past on episode 12, whether it's tokenizing the teams themselves or, or anything else. You just have such a strong and vibrant fan base for any of these teams. It seems to really be a successful application. And so I'm really excited to see applications like Sports D3 and others that are going to be launching to provide this platform. It just makes so much sense. Love it. Sports D3, Draper Goren home. Congratulations, Company of the Week winners. But Ooh. let's get into the news. And of course, everyone should know, if you don't already, that we source all of this news from Security Token Market's news section. That's stomarket.com slash news. And actually where anyone can contribute articles and the like. Uh, and let's get started this, this week with uh, specifically big news out of Europe, uh, the European Union specifically, where they've amended crowdfunding laws to increase the cap now to 5 million euros up from an original 1 million euros. So this is a big deal. Uh, and it's nothing new actually as the industry here in the US has also been clamoring for the same thing. So we can expect the, the same in Europe. In fact, Europe has always been a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to equity crowdfunding regulation actually. Uh, and actually here in the US, STG had even suggested uh, to the SEC back in the day last year when they uh, wanted to have feedback on how to reform capital markets. And we actually suggested that for the regulation crowdfunding cap here in the US, which is a million seventy thousand, uh, to increase that actually to also five million. Uh, and so they, they actually cited us for that. Uh, that, that we actually they're considering it and now with European Union also changing it It's probably well expected that the SEC will also follow suit So that would be huge news across the world But also especially in the US if that change happens as well I, Again, we know the industry very much so would like that change to happen. So we'll certainly uh, Keep you informed keep listening to the show and we'll let you know when that happens and shout out to the 30 or 40 of our listeners that actually co-signed the document we submitted to the SEC with our feedback. We launched that, that was episode one of the podcast and we got a ton of positive support and reception and as a community came forward to help provide our feedback and context and clearly the SEC is watching and, and potentially even the European Union is looking at similar kinds of changes. So thank you and continue to keep those dialogue going with regulators, they are listening and they wanna help. And you can see it's having a positive effect. Absolutely. 
And over in Monaco, the government made further movement regarding their July legalization and defining of security tokens. So one specific rule was the government of Monaco is responsible for rubber stamping each security token offering that wants to issue in Monaco. And last week, the first committee meeting took place for the STO commission. It's unclear whether anything actually came out of that meeting other than the government is clearly intending to, to be actively involved in the space. If you didn't know, Tokeny, the issuance platform, was chosen as the sole technology provider in the region. So they must also be rooting for you know a not too strict ministry to promote STOs here. Of course, we're gonna keep watching for news out of that as well. And in China, the country has been gearing up its central bank digital currency, its digital yuan, which by the way, it does not run on blockchain by the way, but it does said to be potentially leveraging DLT somewhere along the line. Uh, but you know their focus right now is continuing for a mass adoption. Uh, and by the way, I predicted uh, previously on the show that this would be the largest CBDC uh, in use probably in the entire world by the end of the year. Uh, and now this is probably very much so going to be the case because reportedly uh, they're giving away millions of digital yuan via a lottery to boost consumption uh, in Shenzhen, China. So the, the currency is reportedly accepted in over 3,800 shops in the area already. It's truly incredible how fast China is really digitally transforming its entire financial infrastructure, including with security tokens, folks. I'm sure we will hear more news on that too, considering the People's Bank of China has already tokenized government bonds for the public to participate in. And alas, no big industry news in the US other than kind of this funny-ish article that highlights some of the scammery that went down in the ICO days. So the notorious John McAfee who has been on the run for several years now and has a cult technologist following, you know, has officially been charged with fraudulently touting ICOs and was arrested in Spain for tax evasion and is now you know, actually facing extradition to the US. So it looks like his run may be over. McAfee was reportedly paid over $23 million <laughs> to promote oh a scam God. ICO that ultimately raised $41 million. So maybe there was some ROI there. Uh, and that was all back in 2017. So now he will most likely inevitably go to jail uh, and be forced to, to pay his taxes probably. So, But please look at this and, and see that it just goes to show you that you absolutely need to do your research when you invest in an online offering. Also, please know that on this show, we do not give any investment advice for any specific offering or strategy. Best of luck to John. We're not trying to laugh at you. We hope for the best, but definitely don't need to do that anymore. And moving into company announcements, BNP Paribas, the ninth largest bank in the world with nearly $2.5 trillion in assets, has announced that they have developed a way to transfer securities on the Ethereum blockchain with custody technology partner Curve. That's C-U-R-V, not to be confused with the DeFi protocol Curve with an E. The proof of concept was described as a security token being transferred using Curve's advanced cryptography, which utilizes a concept called, quote, multi-party computation, which is institutional grade technology that enables transactions to be securely signed in a mathematically proven distributed way, end quote. Uh, which to me just sounds like they've transferred securities across the blockchain, but that, that's a big deal, of course, because banks don't learn fast. Uh, well, Societe Generale in France has, but still it's great to see another major top 10 bank go big on tokenization, just like MUFG has. Uh, so really just great validation further for the technology. 
And moving on, I, I think I have a very interesting reveal for you listeners. You know, in my research, I came across an article from the Bangkok Post about a company called ERX receiving its license to trade security tokens and plans to list three asset-backed tokens, one in real estate, very soon, they say. So according to this article, it specifically said that ERX received approval from the finance ministry and a license to operate as a securities digital asset exchange from the Securities and Exchange Commission back in July. And by the way, they're presumably referring to the SEC of Thailand there, uh, where, you know, where the ERX operates solely out of here, according to the article. But get this, it goes on to say that the largest shareholder is Elevated Returns and specifically discuss the success of the St. Aspen tokenization here in the U.S. without ever commenting on whether, you know, that is going to be one of the tokens that will be listed. But presumably it will be, which means that we will have a dual listing of T0 uh, on T0 and on the ERX of the St. Regis Aspen potentially on our hands here, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but furthermore, presumably ERX stands for Elevated Returns Exchange, and it looks like they're getting into the security token exchange game, claiming to be Thailand's first security token exchange. So my suspicion is, you know, that the other assets being listed uh, are likely from their portfolio uh, or related to the St. Regis deal. Uh, but still, this is all still pretty big news, I think, and it shows promise of dual listings and bring you know, bridging in international markets. Uh, but as far as I know, I can't even pull out a token on T0. So I'm definitely curious to get an answer about that one. Will it be transferable? Tezos is a big partner. So supposedly it would be issued on that blockchain. Any thoughts on this one, Kyle, since it's sort of a market related to, you know, I don't think anyone knows about this. Yeah, this is a great find. It's fascinating. This definitely wasn't super promoted in, in terms of, of how loud it was in the industry. But I love the idea of dual listings. We're, we're seeing some rumors about that with Fusang Exchange listing some of the tokens that are listed on Open Finance Network. We've seen some other examples of that, but nothing yet. So this could be the first token that gets dual listed. Again, we're just speculating here in terms of whether the St. Regis Aspen will be one of those tokens, but it seems like that's probably a pretty good shout. So we're going to have to check it out. We're going to have to watch and pay attention, and we'll get you all the details as soon as we can. And lastly, we saw issuance platform Securitize announce a partnership with Centrifuge. That's the real-world asset NFT, non-fungible tokens, platform bridging DeFi and security tokens. So according to the press release, Centrifuge partnered with Securitize to bring their category-defining investor onboarding and management product to Tin Lake V3, which is their, their set of pools that you can invest in, I believe. The company says it will enable all their users to easily onboard one time and then subscribe to any of their upcoming offerings. So this is a big win for Securitize's ID and compliance solutions here. It's nothing, you know, not at least noted in, in the press release regarding tokenization. So a great uh, example of Securitize's different services there. And moving into our opinions and resources, you know, quick, quick, quickly for you, the first is some coverage on the founder of Dealbox, which has partnered with Vertalo to launch a lot of different security tokens. And, you know, what inspired the founder, Thomas Carter, to launch his business and, of course, his thoughts on the industry. And then finally, we also have a Medium blog article by INX covering some of the latest highlights in the space and INX's take on things. So it's worth a read if you're following their tokenized IPO. And that's, that's what all I have for you when it comes to last week's industry news. So Kyle, are, are there any industry events coming up? Well, there's no recently announced upcoming events 
folks. But after a great LA blockchain summit last week, I can confirm that the full thing is now watchable on YouTube. So if you go to LA blockchain summits, YouTube channel, you can literally watch about 40 hours of straight panel content for your enjoyment. That includes blockchain, DeFi, crypto, and of course, security tokens. So go check that out. Watch anything you can. I'm sure you'll be able to find any panel you may have missed. Lots of great names at that event. And while you're on YouTube, you can also go to the security token show where we we have all our uh, main topic uh, clips for all our past episodes if you want to kind of just digest some thought leadership while you're there. Absolutely. Any of those topics you may not be fully solid on, you can just check out that 15 or 10 or 15 minute main topic, get the rundown, and you're good to go. But let's move on. What's the latest in security token offerings, Kyle? Well, tokenized venture capital firm Blockchain Capital released its newest fund net asset value or NAV report this week, announcing that the fund NAV per share of BCAP token as of the end of September is $5.53, which is up 23.7% from Q2 2020. The fund noted that the Q3 increase was primarily driven by a few crypto assets in the fund's portfolio, specifically Nexus Mutual, Filecoin, and Bitcoin. The NAV is now up 49.1% year to date. And it's also important to note that these performance figures are net of all fees and estimated carry. So the numbers account for all those additional fees. So you're up 49%, or at least their portfolio is up 49%. With the current token price of $3.45 on open finance, the token hasn't yet responded to this news. Perhaps we're going to see an increase in the future, or maybe the lack of liquidity and market making for the asset will continue to hold the price back. If you want to hear more about the valuing of a venture fund using the NAV value calculation, you can check out episode 52 of the show. And as we mentioned, you can listen to just that segment of that podcast episode if you check out episode 52's highlight on YouTube to hear more about NAV values and how that should affect the price. We also have a small update from the Wave Financial Tokenized Whiskey Fund that we uh, have covered a couple times here on the show. And so they announced that they, it will be hosted on the Symbol blockchain. And so Symbol blockchain is the newest evolution by NEM, N-E-M, which was a blockchain protocol that launched their own token offering in 2017, but has recently migrated from its previous blockchain to this new upgrade called Symbol. As we've seen in secondary markets, many exchanges and marketplaces are blockchain agnostic, so it shouldn't really affect very much for the end consumer for, for this offering, but it's news regardless, and this is the first STO that I know of using this new symbol blockchain. All right. And new STOs, we have a $5.6 billion Japanese bank known as SBI Holdings, who's announced a partnership with Switzerland-based Signum Banking Group to launch a fund targeted towards, quote, investing in digital asset-related companies, mainly in Southeast Asia and Europe. The fund stated that it intends to tokenize companies' equities and in the future would seek to raise funds directly from market through STOs. The fund will be targeting early stage finance and blockchain startups with enterprise ready solutions and innovative IT being the focus. The firm also seems to be working with crypto banking firm Ripple, but the extent of Ripple's involvement in SBI's security token business is unclear at this time. So they're working with a lot of different partners, SBI, huge Japanese bank, looking to do a digital securities investment fund. And then eventually, as we said, will eventually seek to raise funds directly through the market through STOs. Moving on to the next security token offering, we have Liberty Real Estate, who announced it has launched a single tenant net lease security token fund. According to the Crowdfund Insider article by Samantha Hurst, 
The firm reported that it is investing in essential business commercial real estate properties with a $30 million initial target launch issued through Securitize's platform in conjunction with a partnership with Catalyst Fund Administration. The press release from the firm provided a little bit of extra clarity saying, quote, Liberty Real Estate Fund is utilizing security tokens to unlock commercial real estate in the United States to create liquidity in a traditionally illiquid industry. Liberty will also enable investors to receive income and build equity for token holders through property cash flows, loan principal paydown, price appreciation, and the ability to utilize the ownership of the asset as collateral for other investments. Very exciting stuff, and it's so great to see even more real estate innovations coming around the world. Finally, we have CoinLinked, and CoinLinked is a social networking platform that leverages blockchain technology, and they're seeking to raise $5 million via a security token offering. The Series A is going to be conducted through both a Reg D and Reg S filing, allowing for both U.S. accredited investors as well as international investors to participate. The valuation and the other terms were unclear, but they have now officially announced this fundraise. And if you're interested in doing more research on this offering, you can check that out at coinlinked.com. And moving into the secondary market, we lead it off with a market report and Omar Faridi is back again with another Crowdfund Insider article covering the security token market. Citing security token market STL markets research, Omar broke down the full market performance over the month of September and has done an amazing job of using his platform to provide credibility to the industry. So thanks again, Omar, for doing some great work. And then moving into this actual secondary market trading for this week, as always, all of the news, but most importantly for this segment, the pricing data is sourced directly from stlmarket.com. We have API integrations with exchanges and it's continually growing as quickly as possible. So in terms of the STO market cap, we reached 554 million up 2% from about 540 last week. That's fantastic. And it was driven by a strong week from Overstock, which was up 7% and broke up to about $71, closing the gap between the public stock to around 10%, where it's sitting at $80 a share. So the Overstock tokenized shares are at about 71 bucks, and then the common shares on NASDAQ are at $80 a share. So it's interesting to note that today, Overstock closed in the black while the common stock closed in the red noting or signaling that the tokenized shares don't in fact trade as exactly mirrored to the public shares and that the two are not exactly mirroring each other. In fact, the OSTK public stock has actually traded flat across the entire week compared to Overstock tokenized shares with a 7% gain, which is definitely something to note. We'll see if Overstock shares can continue this trend or if they'll cool off. And from past performance, we probably expect them to level off here, but only time is going to tell moving forward. Real estate wasn't super hot this week with most, most tokens either laying flat or struggling by a few percent. However, Autobahn had a 5% increase this week, bringing it to an 18.6% return in year over the year in total, which is the only tokenized property now to net a double digit equity return across the entire 2020. So awesome stuff to lead the pack despite being one of the smallest equity valued properties listed so far. But still, I mean, those returns speak for themselves, not to note nor not to forget that they also pay a significantly hefty dividend. Wow, that's awesome stuff, Kyle. A lot going on there in the market. I and mean, it's cool to see that there's a discrepancy between the two overstock shares with the tokenized version, you know, gaining, but still trading below at the end, right? So one would hope that someday it's trading above the NASDAQ price because that would mean that people are willing to pay a premium for that tokenized version. 
Uh, so I'm confident that one day we will see that slowly over time. I definitely agree. But in the meantime, let's get right into the main topic, Herwig. You were talking about an idea the other day about how an issuer might leverage a smart contract to create programmatic rights of first refusal, commonly known as a ROFR. So let's use today's main topic to really flesh that one out a little bit. Do you care to break down the basics for our listeners? Absolutely, with pleasure. It's, it's been a topic I've been noodling around for many months now, and it's actually fairly simple, but also really important when it comes to the true digitization of investments. But first, let's of course break down ROFRs and what they're used, and also ROFR is a fun thing to say. And it's pretty self-explanatory as it is a right, right? So otherwise seen as an investor protection and benefit and even can be a strategic advantage and in this case it is used as a right to refuse or invest typically in future offerings but it could be actually used for a number of things the most common example of a rofer is when you are investing in a business typically as an angel or a venture capital investor and you may want to protect your investment and even potentially buy more in future financing rounds. So therefore, a ROFR gives you the privilege of first choosing to take the offer before it goes to the rest of the market. And if the issuer went to the market without first offering you a deal, or even if they meet with you and then revise their deal, they need to then come and notify you again of the new opportunity. That's how the ROFR works. All right, so a ROFR in your scenario protects the investor from the issuer going to market with a discount on their first offer to you and also gives you the right to see any investment opportunity from the issuer first. Kind of like a priority card? Exactly right. Uh, and you can see how that can be both a protection and also an advantage. Absolutely. If your investment gets hot and successful, you can be the first to double down before the rest of the market. And with tokenization, you actually essentially can resell almost immediately and take advantage of your premium access. But then you also need to assess whether the deal is a good one because the issuer, of course, will be trying to outprice you but not outprice the market. Yeah, that, that's also true. And it can also be strategic in simply preventing dilution for an investor. And a ROFR can be chopped up also by allocation size and by the type of stock and other traits. All right, so let's not get too complex in that regard, but what other ROFR examples can you see in a security token context? Well, since we kind of know the basics now, instead of getting complex, let's get advanced. A ROFR can also be put in place for M&A purposes. That stands mm. for mergers, mergers and acquisitions. So uh, M&A ROFRs are usually for when you want a right to block or participate in the sale or merger of a company. So this may be purchased or previously made in a prior financing deal by a strategic investor uh, or a corporate investor, but this allows you know another company to essentially make a play or be the first to buy before anyone else does, again, being strategic and a business competitive advantage. All right, so pretty much you'd see this when a company wants to buy the, or the rights to buy another company before the competition has access to that deal. Yep, that's exactly how it works. So let's get down to the real fun, right? How would ROFRs work in the context of tokenization? Because before, all of these are just legal documents. So I can tell that you've been thinking about this far deeper than I have. So the floor is yours. What else do you have for us? All right, all right. So let's get to our more common example, right? So investors buying a security token that comes with a ROFR, uh, let's do let's do a, a very simple example in that regard. Say we've purchased a security token that comes with a ROFR to buy any and all future issued security tokens first from that issuer. So how does it work when the issuer actually comes out with new tokens? Well, the security token you first purchased becomes an access token to prove ownership of that ROFR. 
and the, then you can begin the transaction. So the issuer likely put together a website where you can do this to move forward or it's hosted in, in one of the technology providers. From there, an atomic swap can be initiated to allow the immediate purchase of whatever tokens are available in the counterparty wallet that can only be traded you know, using a wallet that holds the original Rofer tokens that you purchased, essentially creating programmatic you know, guarantee that that Rofer is allowing you to purchase those tokens. That's a really cool and you know, use case. And like you said, you can program it different traits. So like the number of tokens that you can buy from the wallet, setting an allocation amount for the Rofer token, and then you could issue more Rofer tokens to more people with separate allocations or match the number of tokens so that if the token is worth $1 when I bought it, that entitles me to $1 worth of those alloc the ROFR allocations, which means that if I invested 1 million, then I'd have the right to buy 1 million future tokens. You nailed it exactly right, man. And that's where tokenization and smart contracts allow you to do all sorts of crazy new things. Think about doing this on a programmatic level. As an investor or a fund manager or whatever, I could set up my instruction to programmatically purchase tokens at a certain price as they are issued, allowing me to automatically purchase assets without needing to get involved in one single step other than setting the criteria. And I was able to do it all thanks to my ROFR right. Now that's programmatic asset management right there, Kyle. So that's amazing. And because these have value that will build into secondary market value similar to preferred stock versus common stock. So it's really interesting to think about how those models work. And I can really see Rofers actually becoming a thing. How about that M&A example? Right, right. So with the M&A example, it is less about the market of investors and it's more about the two counterparties, right? So why would a company want to buy a ROFR to purchase a company with tokenization over the traditional way? So it's the same reason, of course, programmatically being able to buy other companies is useful. I can think of this becoming very common in real estate or simply securitizing the ROFR so it can be sold to somebody else or having an immutable record of ownership to that ROFR. And of course, I'm sure there are many other benefits. So that makes sense to me, Herwig. I mean, it seems like adding a ROFR to a security token isn't necessarily going to be commonplace in the industry, but it represents just another post-issuance service that issuers can provide to investors programmatically, meaning that it's both automatic and also a scalable solution that doesn't require crazy paperwork or documentation like we'd see in the traditional world. It's a niche but incredibly relevant and exciting addition to the tools of tokenization and really shows the benefits that a security token can provide to the financial sector. Yeah, it's the little things, you know, and on that note, that is all the time we have for you on the show today. So I hope everyone enjoyed and learned something. Of course, we are happy to answer any questions and feedback on anything we discussed on Twitter or LinkedIn. And better yet, you can join us online at stomarket.com news where you can actually submit articles, add comments, or even ask questions to the community. Meanwhile, we hope to catch you next week on Tuesday for episode number 66. Thanks again for listening.